So, Derek, when you're doing the news roundup for AP and FX newsletter, how do you keep your head on straight and your media literacy sharp? News sources almost always have a narrative, an ideology, or a point of view that they are pushing or influenced by, knowingly or unknowingly. Any general tricks or tips? Uh, I mostly stick to newswire stories, which uh, tend to come out fast and don't uh, have, there's not enough time to, to do a lot of narrative bs uh in them they're pretty much down and dirty um but you know i mean i don't have any tricks i just kind of bear in mind that uh there are limitations to what any media outlet can cover and there are certain overarching themes that western media is embedded in and you just have to sort of know that you're functioning in that system when you when you read those things i i can't I don't really have like a tool or a trick or like this one weird trick to decoding media BS. It's just, you know, you, you keep it in the back of your mind. But at the same time, like I, I don't subscribe to the view that everything is a gigantic conspiracy and nothing is real. And therefore, you know, uh, every story is bogus because otherwise, you know, what are we all doing? Like if, if nothing is real, then we might as well just all drop acid and, and screw off. So, uh, that's, that's all I got really. I'm sorry. That's not a very satisfying answer, but I, I don't have one really. I got drop acid and screw off from that. So that's what I'm going to run with. Um, I also, sounds good. <laughs> I also kind of wonder when you're aggregating the news, especially for FX, what you look like, would you say it's more, um, what, what's that character in Dune whose eyes roll back and he's sort of a cyborg. Or is it more ghost in the shell? Like you have little fingers that come out of other fingers and you're typing at a speed that no human can actually accomplish. Uh, it's mostly being uncomfortable in my office because I can't find the right balance between uh, wearing like a heavy sweatshirt and being cold. So I don't know. And it depends on the, you know, it depends on the night. Like I feel a little more stressed out sometimes than than others. But mostly... You know, I try not to, I try to let it all wash over me because otherwise I think it would be just a sea of unending despair and that wouldn't uh, serve me very well. So it's, it's just me, maybe with some coffee uh, and a very dispassionate, <laughs> almost sociopathic, one might say, uh, kind of take on things. Awesome. So, uh, the next kind of personal question or biographical one is from Connor McGuire, who says, Hey guys, thanks for what y'all do. You're welcome, Connor. A question for the whole squad. Nobody on the pod has the same age, and with that, I'd imagine everybody was trained in the academy at different times. What were the popular heuristics or methodologies while you were in school? Put another way, you couldn't get through your schooling if you didn't become familiar with ex-thinker type of thing. And... I remember Danny got into this a little during the first Queer Germany episode with Hunicky, but what would you say is the big sort of methodology in history departments today, assuming there is one? Sure. Well, history is is a huge field, so I'm really could only I re, I'm really only able to speak to my subfield. 
which is broadly speaking diplomatic history. And I'd say the two main trends were uh, transnational history um, and international history. Uh, international history being, you know, you can't understand what happens in the world without looking at various different archives in different countries. And transnational history means taking borders less seriously and focusing on, focusing on transnational or multinational actors like multinational corporations or Amnesty intera- uh, International. Uh, and then a type of third corollary to transnational history is also focusing on non-state actors and agents. Um, and um, I think that was all generally a positive development, but I think the process that um, the, the, the sheer might of the United States, particularly after 1945, but really as far back as 1918, was de-emphasized, um, and that really what I think is probably the major actor in U.S. foreign policy, the American state, was if not de-emphasized um, or or ignored a, a little bit dissentered. Uh, and so if anyone wants to read about my take on this issue, I wrote a piece with Fred Logaval um, titled um, Recentering the United States in the Historiography of American Foreign Relations, which really goes very, very deeply into this issue for the Texas National Security Review. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't go as deep into like the history or the theory behind studying history as... Is-